0: Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us on Splinters. This is Gary Rogowski. Thank you for joining me. Today's topic, well, doesn't the title say it all? Cheese and chairs. So obvious. So obvious a connection between the two. Let us begin. There is something about building a chair that challenges us on many different levels. Why, you may ask, is a chair any different than any other piece of furniture. What's, what's so special about a chair? Well, it's how we use it, I think, that matters. We sit in it. We sit on it. We sit around it. We pick it up. We move it around from one side of the table to the other. We fidget in it, trying to get comfortable. We tip back on its two rear legs, pushing off a table, perhaps, and then we slam the chair back to earth and get comfortable and move around for another few minutes and then have to move around again. The chair needs to do its job of holding us up. Without fail, be well made so it can survive the abuse we give it, and a pleasure to sit in, and a pleasure to look at if it is to be a great chair. Now, there are many chairs that are great to look at and terrible to sit in. They're, of course, very famous. Architects designed those. They're, of course, very, very famous and terrible chairs to live with. You can look at it from across the room, but that's it. Cost you thousands for that, that uh, privilege and uh, And so the world goes. Commodity, firmness, and delight is how Vitruvius put it. Roman author, architect. That's what he said about architecture. So too, is this true of a chair? It must be comfortable, it must be well made, and it must please the eye. A chair is not like a cabinet where the only physical interaction with it is to touch a knob, perhaps, or bang into it with a knee or an elbow. A table, your commerce with a table is mostly, how high is it? Do I have to reach down to it? I have to sit down to it to take advantage of it? The only thing you ask of it is, do I feel comfortable when I'm working or eating or reading at it? That's Pretty much it. It's why most people are not impressed with a table sitting in a gallery space or at home. It just sits there. You throw your keys on it. Keys land. Boom, you're done. You walk by it. Unless it's unusually large... A table rarely symbolizes anything else. They are unilateral, multi-purpose. Can I say egalitarian? Well, I just did. But a chair, a chair is an interaction both visually and aesthetically that requires good, solid engineering, while in the end, so to speak, also being comfortable, ergonomic. It makes the chair a very intriguing build for the furniture maker. No other piece of furniture has so many requirements unless unless you think of a boat as a piece of furniture or a violin as a piece of furniture, as I suppose some people do, that has to look good and feel right and perform. The boat has to perform. A violin has to perform. The chair is the equivalent to those two... Apotheoses of woodworking. Because of the chair's role in history, first as a symbol of royalty, those were the only folks who got to sit their butts in a chair, kings and queens, royalty, its place as a symbol of royalty and power, then its place as a symbol of opulence and privilege, finally the chair came around to being a symbol of comfort and lastly, community. Because of all these things, because of all these roles, a chair remains a very powerful image for us. Put two chairs alone in the room facing each other. That's it. And walk into that room and you will feel something. You will feel something. It, it is pregnant with possibility, with meaning. Two chairs facing each other at a room and how close they sit to one another. And if they don't face each other, that says something else too. Performance artists have made a living off two chairs in a room. I saw a performance art, artists in New York sitting in a chair, staring at a, a, another person, a viewer, sitting in a chair. But put two tables in a, in a room, and you're sitting there saying, where are the chairs? How are you supposed to sit here? Now think about the chunk of raw space that a chair inhabits. This rectangle of air is filled with potential chairs. And your task as the designer is to remove all that is unnecessary from it to create this chair. This analogy not only implies, it insists on a reductive process. You take away everything from this cube of space that is unnecessary. Everything that is not chair, I remove. Hence, my brilliant analogy to a block of cheese. You've forgotten the block of cheese? Take a chunk of cheese. One could, I suppose, if you don't like food, substitute clay or cold mashed potatoes. But think of the eating. Take a big brick of cheese and start to remove the unnecessary sections of it. And by removing the negative space, by thinking of the negative space and pulling that away from this brick of cheese, one creates the positive space, the image, the shape of the final chair. It is a fun, it's a marvelous way of drawing sketching out a chair by drawing just the negative shapes. Don't think about the positive shapes. Don't think this is a chair rung. Think about the shape just above the chair rung, because then you're concentrating on these amorphous, non-symbolic chunks of rectangular or trapezoidal or triangular shapes. Much easier to draw if you're just paying attention to those shapes, because those shapes don't resemble a chair, the trapezoid and the rectangle don't resemble a chair. They resemble the rectangular trapezoid. Easy to see, much easier to draw. Draw the negative space. Take away the negative space. What is left? The chair. And if we use my cheese model, a great pile of cheese that needs must be eaten. I simply take away the chunks of unnecessary cheese until all that's left is the shape of the chair that I want. But as with cheese, so too with wood. When my chair cheese model is complete, you will have no stability to hold us up. Even a model of a cheese body could not sit on this cheese chair. Why? Because cheese, as any school child knows, has no structural integrity. It can't hold up its own weight. No compression strength. Very little tensile strength. No racking resistance at all. And neither does wood if you start with a big chunk of tree and take away all the negative spaces you want in order to create your throne or your chair or whatever, short grain sections of wood will not hold up. Even as you carve away on the log, just moving it around you, you're liable to break those short grain parts. So, if we made this cheese chair, it's obvious what will happen. Cheese catastrophe. The chair will collapse. Same thing with carving this block of wood and creating something that is light enough to move. Because... That is one of the standards, I think, of a good chair. Can I pick it up? Or does it take two people to move around? And if it's a really well-made chair, like the Hans Wegner chair I have in my office, I can pick it up with one finger. It's that light, it's comfortable, and it's well-made. But that's a very difficult thing to achieve. Our chair carved from a block of wood may have too many short grain parts to have any integrity and you'll sit in it once and it'll collapse our reductive process may be good for modeling and if you're doing it with cheese good for nibbling but maybe not so good for reality the concept however is apt think about the chair aesthetically as a as a block of form and then remove everything that gets in the way of your idea of chair next move to the reality and the engineering And the ergonomic side of things to create a prototype by adding sections together. Now we're we're taking pieces of wood and adding them together in an additive instead of a reductive process. And now we can create something that you can actually sit in. And when we do this, we start to face some issues like, what is comfort? Is this comfortable? Is this comfortable for you? Is it comfortable for me? What about this whole idea of comfort? Read this fascinating book by uh, Witold Rybczynski to get some sense of things. Uh, a book called Home. And he talks about when this idea of comfort came into being. Blame the, the Dutch and their golden era in the 1600s. And their middle class as they started to create a home space that was a symbol of their wealth. Is no other, there's no other way to put it. A symbol of their good fortune. Now, consider what is comfort for you, and then what is comfort for another. You've been to the restaurant where the chairs sit you straight up. It's a 90 degree back to seat angle. And there is a very particular reason why this is done. The chairs can look great, too. They often do. They look great. But they're at 90 degrees. Why? They want your butt out of there as quick as possible. Well, that was in the old days when we went to restaurants. But they want your butt out of there as quickly as possible because they want to turn the table. Have another set of of eaters there. Comfort. There are many factors that go into this idea. Is the chair height important? Is the angle of the seat relative to the floor important? The width of the seat? How about the angle of the backrest to the seat? And the supports for it? Where do they hit you? If there are arms on the chair, what is the height of of these arms? And are these, all these things important? And I think the answer is yes. They're all important. And you thought it was just a chair. Just a chair. Well, it turns out that this little piece of furniture is an incredibly complex combination of ideas and an understanding of f- the forces that act on a chair, and the the sense of grabbing a viewer's eye when someone first walks in a room. Because part of your job as a designer, you know this, is to grab someone's attention when they walk in the room. They go, oh, look at that chair. That looks beautiful. I want to sit in it. Now, some chairs you'll look at and go, oh, look at that chair. That is stunning. I don't want to go anywhere near it. I can, I can think of some chairs like that. But your job as a designer is to bring people over. And and I tell my students this all the time. What is the next thing that happens? If you walk into a room and you see a piece of furniture that you love, what's the next thing that you're going to do? You're going to go walk over to it and touch it. So the chair has to feel good, has to feel good on to your fingertips, and then has to feel good to your butt. You sit in it and you need to, to say, you need to decide, yes, this works, this is comfortable. And the ways, the many ways that it can do this, uh, are legion. There are oh, so many ways. And the question, the question for you as the designer is where where will you start? I I can think of several different approaches to this, depending on um, which of the parts of that chair triangle has a which is the one that's on top. Let's just put it that way. Now, a triangle is inherently stable, right? You push on one side and the other two take up the the slack. A rectangle, inherently unstable. You push on one corner and the whole thing tips and now you've got a trapezoid instead of a square or a rectangle. But the triangle is solid. Which part of the triangle, the aesthetics, the engineering, the comfort, is the most important part? That's the one that's on top then. Now, it may be that this chair will sit at the top of the stairway. So the principal view of this chair is from the front. It may be like with Frank Lloyd Wright's chairs in his house in Oak Park, Illinois, built 120 years ago, that the most important view is the rear of the chair. They're incredibly tall chairs, straight back tall chairs. The um, docent who gave the tour when I was there said that they were so tall so that his children couldn't turn around and see what was going on in the kitchen. That may be. But they they have a real presence, very similar to the Charles Rennie Macintosh chairs of that same era. Uh, Very tall backs. One of my students, David Young, makes a chair like this now. Very tall backs. It's a very imposing look, but it it seems it's supposed to be viewed from the rear. Now, if it's viewed from the front and it's a dining chair... Then the only thing that's important is everything above the level of the table. That's interesting. That kind of just narrows things down, doesn't it? Is the aesthetic of the chair the most important thing or the engineering? If it's the engineering, you can simply take a block of wood and carve it out and shape it a little bit, torch it, and make it black, put some wax on it. Hard to move around, but never going to fall apart as long as the wood doesn't crack apart. But there's something about being able to lift up a chair with one finger that is pretty astonishing and then still be able to sit in it and then still watch it survive over the years. Chairs are subject to more forces than any of our other pieces of furniture. Most pieces of furniture just have to sit there. The only things they have to, to worry about are moisture, getting wet, or the furniture mover. Those are the only two times that they're at risk. I just thought about this cabinet. I put something in it today. I've had it for 40 years and I think, how can it survive? Well, nothing's happening to it except I open the drawers and I close them. That's it. Imagine picking this thing up and moving it around and sitting on it and twisting on one leg on it, and all the things that we do to a chair put so much stress on these joints. So if you look at the wishbone chair, the Hans Wegner chair, it's a fascinating take on a Chinese chair with a simple round. I'm going to call it a dowel, that's been steam bent, and this provides the back. And it's more, I don't know, lumbar support. It's up fairly high, and um, that's it. That's all you get. The back splat itself that connects the um, top rail to the chair seat, you don't really feel. That's the why the wishbone shape. What's brilliant about that chair is is what happens on the rear legs because Wegner did a simple double bend in plane, but then rotated that. And by rotating it, it appears that this is a complex bend. It's a simple bend made complex by rotating it around a point. And that's what holds up the back. Rails run into it. It's interesting to see that most of the chair is done with round tenons. Round tenons are much easier to a line for compound joinery but the most important joint of the chair the chair rail that comes into the rear leg that supports the seat and takes the brunt of the load that's a rectangle more gluing surface anyway there are these little things about this chair that are just fascinating the chair seat is uh, a woven uh, reed material so it's very light but very comfortable And there are several places you can find comfort depending on how you're sitting in it. I have another chair that's a Windsor chair. It's called a Thumbback Windsor chair. I found this at the Vermont Studio Center. And I sat in it for a month as I pondered my future back in the 90s. And I convinced them that I really needed this chair. And so I took it apart because it was falling apart anyway. And uh, paid them. I made a little piece of replacement furniture for them. And this red Windsor chair, creaky as all heck, and sticks together somehow, is designed to sort of throw an arm over the back of it. It's i am convinced it's a drinking chair. You're supposed to be drinking in this chair. You're not sitting face forward because if you do, then you're trying to lean back and the back is the back is way so so angled back is it's not comfortable at all. But you sit to the side and here's this chair that has real comfort. It's interesting to see what Comfort can be in such varied shapes. chair is a fascinating thing. And if you have not thought about designing a chair, give it a shot. It's a fun, it's a very fun process. And what I would start with first is probably a brick of Gouda. You could go cheddar, but you know, a good solid chunk of Gouda out of a big wheel of, of cheese. That would be good. Stare at it for a while. Get a good sharp knife and start to take away everything that is not a chair. Good designing, good eating for you ahead. Well, thanks very much for listening. This has been Gary Rogowski blathering on about some nonsense, but some real, real interesting issues in design. And the chair is one of those. So I hope you uh, will get a chance to try your hand at it and check out our website, northwestwoodworking.com. We are doing a lot of online stuff these days. Our online mastery program is up and running, and that's been great. So please check out our upcoming online lectures. We have one on designing a table and then another on chisels. So those will be fun. If you enjoy the podcast, please support me on Coffee, K-O-F-I dot com, coffee dot com. Buy me a cup of coffee. I will appreciate you so much. And uh, I wish you well and health. I wish you safety and health. Good luck to you out there. Take care. Bye-bye.